Good morning. I was meant to be using the fancy, like, rock, you know, rock star mic, um, but it has to clip onto your trousers. I'm in maternity leggings, and the ladies will know that that just doesn't work because you just can't clip it on. So I'm going to use this mic. Um, and please excuse me if I sit down, but my ankles will begin to swell quite extravagantly um, throughout the morning because I'm pregnant. Um, so I'll stand for as long as I can. Um, but as Jez said, um, my name's Polly. I'm married to Martin, and we help lead the youth at this church. Um, we've been here since Seaford was launched, so nearly four years ago. Um, and we're going to carry on the series um, called In Christ. So, last week, um, Colin started us off, and he talked about um, that being in Christ means you're free from condemnation. Uh, basically, he was, he was talking about that when we're in Christ, it means we don't measure up to the law, but Christ does, and he takes our shortfall. Now, if you are a Christian, then you are in Christ. That's your new label. It means that you're changed, you're transformed. It means that you're a new creation. So this week, we're going to look at what else it means to be in Christ, and that includes being bold. So we're going to look at boldness. We're going to discover what it means to be as bold as a lion. We're going to look at a verse in 2 Timothy about where boldness comes from. And we're also going to look at a story in Acts um, about two followers of Jesus and the boldness that they showed um, and where that boldness came from. So boldness itself is a good thing. It's something to be desired. Um, We know that because in the Bible, God says that he gives us boldness. And we're going to have a look at that verse. And I think for everyone, even if you're not a Christian, um, everyone wants to be a little bit bolder sometimes. We've all got dreams or aspirations that you don't quite go for because of that fear or because you're a little bit timid. um, And you think, if I had a bit more boldness, then I could really go for it. So let's first think about what it means to be as bold as a lion. Now, often when people preach, they use um, quotes from old theologians, um, real professionals. But I'm a primary school teacher, so if I need something explaining, I ask children. And that's what I did two weeks ago. I went into a kids' club that we have every Sunday at church, and I asked the children in there, um, what is a lion like? And we've got some examples um, that are going to come up on the screen behind So, bold as a lion. You might feel like you're as bold as a lion, but perhaps your lion is a little bit goofy. Um, Quite friendly looking, really. We've got other examples of lions. We've got ones with whiskers quite close together, but eyes quite set apart. We've got lions that look a bit like mice dressed up as a lion. So perhaps you feel like, yeah, you can act like a lion, you can act like you're bold, but inside, you're really a bit of a mouse. We've got this very cheesy, grinned lion. He's got a bit of a mermaid tail. This one does actually remind me of someone from our church. (laughs) Quite a cheesy grin. So, Ed, that one was for you. Um, So I asked the children as well, how would they describe a lion? And on the next slide, we've got um, some of the adjectives that they came up with. They said, a lion is strong. They said a lion is also scary, it's big, it's fierce, it's fearless, it's powerful, and lions are just really, really bad. (laughs) So when we want to be as bold as a lion, we can pick and choose 
But the ones that stand out, the fearless, the powerful, and the fierce, are all adjectives that would be good to describe ourselves when we want to be as bold as a lion. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of myself, I don't use most of those adjectives. All in all, I tend to feel a little bit more like one of the slightly cheesier lions, the slightly less scary ones. Um, And on the next slide, um, we've got two lions, I think. Um, So I tend to feel much more like the one on that side uh, than the kind of fierce, strong lion on this side, which is actually Rory's drawing, and it's quite impressive, I think. So have a think about what sort of lion you think you are like, and are you as bold as you would like to be? We're going to turn uh, to the Bible and have a look um, at some of the scriptures in 2 Timothy. Now, 2 Timothy um, is written by a guy called Paul, which confuses me because the book is called Timothy. But Timothy leads a church in Ephesus, and these are like the final instructions from Paul. Um, So Paul knew that he was going to be executed soon for being a follower of Christ. So he wrote this letter um, to give Timothy some final encouragement about leading his church. It was sort of like um, passing on the torch of leadership to Timothy. And he reminds Timothy in this letter about the qualities um, that you need to be a faithful follower of Christ. And as we see, one of these qualities is about not being fearful or timid, but about being bold. So it's 2 Timothy chapter 1, and the verse will come up behind as well. So it says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. We're going to focus in on verse 7 of that passage, which says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, and some translations say not of timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. It's quite encouraging to think that in his last letter, um, Paul had to remind a church leader to not be timid, but to be powerful. I think that's quite encouraging. If he had to remind him, no wonder we have to be reminded as well. So after reading the adjectives of lions about being fierce and powerful, and then reading a verse that tells me not to be fearful or timid, Quite easily, I disqualified myself from doing this talk. I'm not powerful or fierce. Um, I wouldn't use those to describe myself. I'd use them to describe an extrovert or someone who's really, really passionate, not an introvert, um, as I would describe myself. And when Paul says to Timothy, not a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear, When I'm talking about God, especially to um, people who don't know who God is, I often feel much more timid than I do powerful. I feel generally more like Noah's kind of cheesy-looking lion than Rory's fierce one. I don't feel like I've got a spirit of power when it comes to doing things for God. But I am going to do this talk because I think um, it's really crucial that we do believe God's word for God's word. It is true as it is written. And God says he gives us a spirit of power. 
Who am I to say, no, no, you gave that to someone else. I've got the spirit of timidity or of fear. So I think that's an overarching reason that outrules all the other ones. And it's important that we realize that this boldness that the Bible talks about is not a personality thing anyway. It's a God thing. And I say that we need to realize that because I hope, and I'm pretty sure that I'm not alone in feeling a bit of a lack of boldness sometimes when it comes to doing things for God. I think we've all been in situations where you're willing yourself to be a bit bolder. Perhaps when you really want to pray for a friend, if they're in pain or they've got an ache, and you think, oh, I know God heals could pray for them and then you walk away and kick yourself that you haven't prayed for them I had a friend recently and um well she's still my friend now but um she uh, her and her husband have been trying for a baby for a couple of years um so it's a really sensitive um sensitive topic um difficult one to talk to people about but she was kind of pouring her heart out she was very emotional she'd kept me up to date with different stages um and they'd finally got this new treatment that they were trying for six months to see if they could conceive. And as she was talking to me, um, it was really hard because it's, it's obviously such a hurtful thing and it's a sensitive topic and you think, this person doesn't know God. They don't go to church. If I say now that I'm going to pray for her, this could be her only perception of who God is. However God answers this prayer could be a real tipping point for her. But I did, I kind of thought, right, now I'm going to be bold because actually bold prayers... I think are prayers that you need to see a change when they're answered. So I said, right, you know, me and Martin, we're going to be praying for you whilst you start this new treatment. So a couple of months later, the first month, um, it didn't work. Second month, they took this treatment again, um, and it worked. And they're now, they're now going to have a baby in nine, what, eight months' time. Um, so that was really exciting, and she came to me afterwards and said, it was so good to know that you and Martin were praying for us. Um, and she's actually said that she wants to explore who God is and find out more about him. So bold prayers scary, they need to see a change, but they pay off. There's other times where we need to be bold as well. What about when um, our faith in Jesus is challenged, when you're talking to people? Do you ever wish that you're just a bit more certain in your answers and a bit bolder, that you don't excuse yourself for what you know is true? Perhaps you find yourself agreeing with points that you don't really agree with because of that, that fear that you're going to offend somebody unless you agree with them. And it doesn't just apply to talking to people who know God. What about in church? What about being bold enough to bring a contribution at the front about what God is doing in your life? What about being bolder in worship, despite having everyone around you and feeling like they might be looking at you? What about keeping your Christian friends accountable? How bold are we in challenging each other as a church? So there's always these times that we can doubt we've got this power in us, And we're not sure that bold is a word we'd use to describe ourselves. Perhaps a talk on boldness would seem to divide the church in half. You've got your extroverts, natural evangelists, they can go out and be bold. You've got your introverts, we'll we'll just set up the chairs in the morning. we We don't need that same boldness that they need out on the streets. But actually, even if we feel like boldness doesn't describe us, it does describe Jesus. And aren't we called to imitate Jesus? We're going to have a look at, um, at some more examples in the Bible of this boldness. So if I was to ask you, and I'm going to sit down so that my ankles don't, I'm going to try and sit down, don't swell up anymore. But we're going to have a look in the Bible at some examples um, of this boldness. And if I was to ask you, who is the most powerful person in the Bible? 
Who is the boldest character that you know? Lots of people, of course, would say the Sunday school answer that Jesus was the boldest person in the Bible. Now, there's a reason that C.S. Lewis made Jesus a lion and not a badger. A badger tends to creep around at night. He gets trapped by car headlights, and you normally just see them squashed on the edge of the road. Hopefully, that's not how we see Jesus. Jesus is described as a lion. He's majestic, he's powerful, he's strong, and he's called the Lion of Judah. And we see that same spirit that we see in Jesus in so many people in the Bible. They're always doing bold things. They're always saying such strong things about who Jesus is. And it seems like people in the Bible, maybe because it was Bible times, have more boldness than we have today. But when we look closely at these people, we can see that it's not a personality thing. It's a God thing. So we're going to have a look now at a story in Acts. Um, So if you've got a Bible with you, you might want to turn to Acts 4, but the verses will also come up on the screen. And this is a story about two followers of Jesus. Um, It's a story about them being bold, how their boldness was perceived by people around them, and how they grew in boldness as well. And the two guys we're going to look at are Peter and John. So Peter was a real extrovert. He was kind of known for being bold anyway. He was quite impulsive. John, however, was not like Peter. Um, He was a bit more reserved. His writing is a bit more poetic. Um, And he was known, although I think he called himself this, um, as the disciple who Jesus loved. And it's interesting to see that our story of boldness um, involves a partnership and a team. Both the men in this story are really, really bold. But naturally, actually, only Peter would be described as a bold, outgoing character. I think this suggests, again, that boldness is not about their personalities. It's not a personality thing. It is a God thing. So our story starts with some interesting happenings. Uh, Peter heals a crippled beggar and then spends time chatting to the crowds around him who are all a bit amazed, as I think we would be if that happened in Seaford as well. In brief, Peter and John have said some really annoying things in the Jerusalem of AD 30, and the leaders are a bit fed up with them. So if we have a look in Acts 4, it says, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. It basically means that Peter and John were challenging the authority of these leaders in Jerusalem. And these leaders would have known the scriptures, so they would have known about the pouring out of the Spirit, about the triumph of God's salvation and the defeat of his enemies. They understood how dangerous it was for Peter and John to be spreading these, what they would have called rumors, around Jerusalem. And now these fishermen turned preachers were in the, you know, were in the priest's temple saying these things. Obviously, it didn't sit too well with anybody there. And it was bold enough because it wasn't as though Peter and John had wandered in unaware of what this meant. They were in that culture. They would have known by saying these things about Jesus, it was pretty dangerous and that it wasn't going to go down well. But they continued to speak with boldness. Again, not a personality thing, but a God thing. So Peter and John were arrested They were escorted to stand trial in the same court that condemned Jesus. 
Now, the rulers and elders, or the kind of professionals of the Old Testament, uh, questioned them. And it continues in verse 3 in Acts 4. It says, they seized Peter and John. And then later on in verse 7, it says, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? They wanted to know, how did Peter heal that man at the temple? And where did they get this teaching? Now, their questions to Peter and John had quite a simple answer. Their answer was simply about Jesus. So that's how Peter replies. How often do we find ourselves kind of going around the houses before we say that the answer to something is Jesus? You know, well, how did you, you, know, how did you recover from that so quickly? How come that pain has gone? How come you've got that joy? Uh, And you you kind of go all the way around, especially if you're talking to a close friend who doesn't know God. And actually the answer is quite simple, and the answer is Jesus. So this is what Peter says. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And verse 12 carries on. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Now the response of the elders when they hear this answer is quite interesting. It says in verse 13, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Because the leaders saw this boldness that Peter and John spoke with. And they knew that these guys weren't trained religious people. They weren't interpreters of scripture. They weren't the Oxford Cambridge students of our time. And yet they had a boldness. So how could they be so unschooled and yet so bold? For me, that's further reassurance that their boldness didn't rely on um, their intellectual knowledge. It's not a personality thing. It was a God thing. Now, the the boldness was recognized by the leaders, um, but we need to think about what that was that was actually recognized. What is boldness? It's more than having a general confidence. It doesn't mean that you're enthusiastic enough to yell or to leap about during worship. Peter and John's boldness was in what they said. More specifically, it was in what they said about Jesus. They were really outspoken about the identity of who Jesus is. They didn't say, well, the truth for us is that salvation is found in no one else. They didn't say, well, personally, we believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation. They just said it straight out, salvation is in no one else. I wonder how often we don't do that. How often we make it about us so that we don't offend the person we're talking to. I was talking to a youth recently at um, New Day, which is a big Christian festival. Uh, We've just been on, um, we go with Eastbourne Church as well. And we'd come back from a talk uh, where some answers had been given to some quite difficult questions. And I was talking to this girl at lunch, and she was really annoyed by the talk that had just been given. And she said, you just can't say that to people. That you can't just tell people what to do and what is true. That's just your opinion. I think more and more we're told that, aren't we, that everyone's truth is truth. 
And especially for young people growing up today, schools aren't allowed to say now that this is truth, um, unless they go to um, you know, a particularly Christian school. You can't offend people by saying things like Peter and John said when they said, salvation is in no one else. But Peter and John did it, and it astonished the leaders. How in the world do these untrained fishermen know how to read scriptures like this? How can they be so frank and open about who Jesus is? So they were really, really amazed until they found something out. They suddenly realized how Peter and John could speak without fear. It says in verse 13, they recognized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. And that explains a lot. Because when people spend time with Jesus, you know it. And you can see a difference. So that explains it then. Peter and John were so bold in what they said about Jesus because they'd spent time with him. He had taught them how to read the Bible. They'd hung out with him, spent time with him. So boldness, at least in this case then, isn't a red-faced passion. It's not being extremely extrovert, but it's to do with speaking. Um, And not really how we speak, but about what we say when we do even when it's not going to be received particularly gladly on the other side. That then, again, makes it not a personality thing, but a God thing. Now, later on, Peter and John get released, and we see later on in this story, they get together for a prayer meeting with their friends, um, so with their church, and the group asks God, um, in Acts 4, verse 29, they say, they ask God to grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And then Luke, the guy who's writing this story, shows us that God answers their prayer. And he says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Again, boldness has to do with speaking. And they didn't just pray for the evangelists in their church. They didn't put them in the middle and pray for all the outgoing ones. The whole church asked for this boldness. They didn't make it a personality thing. They kept it as a God thing. Again and again, this boldness leads to speaking. And if we go back to that verse in 2 Timothy that we started with, when it tells us not to have a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity, if we carry on to verse 8, it says, So do not be afraid to testify about our Lord, because there is a purpose to that boldness, to that spirit of power that God gives us. And that purpose is so that we can tell people about Jesus. It's not a spirit of power so that we can go around being loud, being really extroverted. Its purpose is so that we can testify about Jesus. And the good thing is that the same Holy Spirit that Peter and John received, that their church received, is the same Holy Spirit that is given to us. And the Holy Spirit is definitely not dependent on our personality because it is a God thing. So when you speak to that colleague about who Jesus is, or when you do pray for healing for friends who are in pain, you pray prayers that require change, when you bring contributions at church, we can do it with the same boldness that Peter and John grabbed. Because we, just like them, can spend time with Jesus. We can let him be our teacher. 
He can teach us what the Bible means and what the scripture means. So let's, as a church, ask God to grant us, um, your servants, to continue to speak with all boldness. Just imagine what your workplace would be like if you did speak with that sort of boldness. What would your friendship group look like? I know mine would probably change a little bit, might be a bit uncomfortable, but it probably would be worth it as well. Would we rather draw people to Jesus by what we say about him than by being a bit fancy with our words or being really loud or extroverted with our words? It's about what we say, not about how we say it. What would Seaford look like if we stepped out with that boldness? So think about that thing that you really want to do, that friend you really want to pray for, or that bit of scripture you really want to tell somebody. And then remember that it doesn't depend on who you are, because it's not about you. When you're in Christ, it's not a personality thing, it is a God thing. I think I spoke really, really quick. But the challenge is, let's shape our church um, and ourselves, not based on our personalities, but based on God and what he offers us through his Holy Spirit. And I think the band are going to come back up. Um, So let's worship this God who gives us that power, um, not fear and not timidity.